Today's episode of the Listen In Podcast is brought to you by you, the valued listener. This is just our usual weekly plug to give us a review on iTunes if you like the show, and to give us a follow on Twitter, at ListenInPod. Lots of fun discussions on there, and we'll let you know updates about when episodes are coming out, and uh, other fun news, I guess. Yeah. Let's start the show. Listening podcast coming at you from the loft, yeah. Jake's room, the studio, episode 48. Um, Here Jordan, we are. Jordan flu game. Yeah, so Sean is uh, a hurting unit, as they say. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> that's something like a mom would say. Yeah, we got our all little Sean. He's a hurting unit this week. He's a week. hurting unit today. <laughs> uh, he's feeling a little under the weather. He's got to rest up and just you know get back at it. Sean is fighting through a strep throat. Uh, what would you call it? Um, Illness. Infection. Infection. Yeah, yeah. Just consumption. Diagnosed with strep throat this week. Uh, I did that thing that that um, basically all males do, where they don't go to the doctor, don't get help, think it will just be fine. I, f- I felt sick on Friday, continued to feel sick throughout the weekend, into the week. Which included a Halloween party with heavy drinking. Yeah, <laughs> Yes, where I was sharing a bottle of champagne with my older sister back and forth. I'm sure she's going to get it any day now. Probably has strep. Yeah, so I get to work. It took my boss being like, you look terrible, mm-hmm. you should go to the doctor. For me to be like, oh, maybe I should go to the doctor. Hmm. Huh. Uh, went hmm. to the doctor, they're like, yeah, you have strep. So <laughs> The doctor's just, <laughs> nurse, cancel my one o'clock. <laughs> this is the worst case I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, they put me on uh, amoxicillin, antibiotic. Go. Fun fact for the listeners, your boy's allergic. I can't take any of the cillins. I get hives. Penicillin, you'll die? I won't die, I'll get hives. Oh, okay. A a skin rash. Would you rather have that or fucking polio? (laughs) Hives. Okay, yeah. Then polio. I'm just saying, I'm allergic. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what you want from me. But this is 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 impressive. This is a gritty performance for you to to be here today, so I think everyone appreciates it. Yeah. There's big news, especially in the music world... uh, for you, huge, huge news. I'm excited too, but I not. I don't think as much as you are. No, no. This is what we wanted to talk about. Uh, why we're 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 fighting through the sickness to do this podcast. New Japan Droids album is announced, coming out January 27th. New single came out as well, and I got to tell you, when I heard this news, I was in the the throes of sickness, Jake. I was yeah. in a dark place. I was in a sick haze. Yeah. Okay. Did you like know what time it was? Because <laughs> um, when I get sick, if I take a sick day from work. And like wake up in the middle of the day, I like lose track of time and kind of like I'll look and it's way later than I thought. It's I like don't really know. PM. Honestly, Monday through Wednesday are just a blur for me. Where yeah. like I don't even know what day I found this out on. I can't tell you if the, if we found this news out on Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't. I don't know. I don't remember. I either. don't know. But it was exciting news nonetheless. Big news. Um, because we have talked about them a few times on the podcast before. We weren't sure if they were breaking up. If they we're going to ever make new music again where they were we had no clue so it was nice to see uh this news come out uh did you get a chance to listen to the new song i did i listened a couple times um yesterday wednesday well i'm all off because the thing is is also listeners is that usually we record the podcast on a thursday night um strep throat happened life happens life happens shit happens 
you know, we're not a PG podcast. I can say shit. Um, and so we didn't get to record on Thursday, so it's Friday. So my sense of time relative to when we're recording is a little off. But I did listen to this, I want to say yesterday or two days ago, um, a couple times. And I like it, and I'm excited for the album. That's about, like, where I stand with Japan Droids. And it's actually interesting that um, while I'm excited to hear it, I feel like the life event that gives this context and makes it really exciting for me to hear is still to come and to explain that like uh and i've talked about it on the uh podcast before celebration rock was given sort of more context and more gravity for me by we went to a house for a weekend us and a bunch of friends and we like partied we drank and listened to that album a lot and that's what sort of gave its sort of uh hard rock partying feel that emotional yeah, punch more yeah. of a connection for me so Liking the song, I'm excited to have it, like listen to it with a little more context in my life. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I I like the song too, but again, I think yeah, context is important, and it's that emotional backdrop that ends up making those songs awesome. Like mm-hmm. House That Heaven Built. I remember the first time I heard, it, I was like, this is good, but it took all those listens and the situations that I listened in, where now it is a top three song of the decade for me if not my favorite song of the decade so far and that's how I felt too with Celebration Rock when I first listened to it probably I don't know two three times when it came out I I was like my feeling was sort of like yeah it's good I guess it's good I like some of these songs um, I remember I liked Fire's Highway for some reason Mm. and not much else Mm. that much and I was like I don't know some of it's a little corny I don't know if I can like get into this vibe in general um, but I remember you were a big proponent of it. That's and you, interesting. You the first, out as soon as I heard the Night of Wine and Roses, I was like, I'm sold on this album. Yeah. It's, it's going to be great. I think that I was more in sort of an annoying, um, you know, it, it's sort of like I was listening to music you should like, quote unquote. And I was in, in my mind, I was like, this is kind of over the top. This yeah, is be- kind of corny. Because if you remember before Japan Droids came out, that like hard rock kind of balls to the wall thing that we didn't really listen to that that much and it took that and i think japan George, at least for me was a gateway drug into kind of the emo scene that we listen to now the beach pop slang punk scene, type stuff beach slang even modern baseball sorority noise all of those bands yeah Joyce Manor, like I wouldn't be listening to them now if it wasn't for Japan Droids. But Japan Droids, um, and I agree with you that it is a partially a gateway drug. But for me, Japan Droids occupies a slightly different space than those they like, do. The yeah, emo they do. bands. Yeah, because they're Japan Droids is more gung ho than any of them, <clears throat> right. and more like like this when this song was it. I'm fired up for what? I'm all fired up for something. This new song. Yeah, to it was yeah. Um, I. Uh, the song's called uh, Near to the Wild Heart of Life, which, which is, is an awesome name. It's a James Joyce reference, I guess. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was like, I was all fired up. Yeah. And like, yeah. To, uh, to, to do, go to, far away. Yeah, to, yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, it, well, I was all fired well, up to go far away. Which is an interesting point because a lot of interviews have come out about Japan Droids. It seems like they, they kind of did the whole press thing, you know, with every music blog that you could possibly be into they did some kind of interviewer feature with them stereo gum pitchfork yeah. every everyone had one they blew up in the news over the past <clears throat> yeah and and really a lot of the que- i read most of these it it was diminishing returns after a while it was all the same stuff being said yeah it they was, give the same couple it was generally quotes. that we wanted to take our time with this album we didn't want to rush anything we wanted to like do it on our terms we have a slightly new sound and we're trying some different things 
And then I have it was a thought on that. And then it was also about how they are living in different places now. Or Brian King is living in Toronto. Um, Dave Prouse is still living in Vancouver. And Brian actually splits his time between Mexico City and Toronto because Mexico City is where his girlfriend lives. So um, wow. it's all about how this was the right move for him to do. And even though they live far away now, they still are like good friends, still make music together. And it just took like flying and, and coordinating that to, to get it done. So I think, you know, that, that lyric on Near to the Wild Heart of Life about like I was all fired up to go far away oh. is kind of relevant to where they were at in their life. Yeah, that get, that's, that's really interesting. Now, Toronto and Vancouver are pretty far away, right? Very far away. So Vancouver Vancouver's is on, like in BC. The, on the west coast yeah. of Canada. It's way close. It's like near Seattle. Right, and it's even farther west than Seattle. It is, yeah. Well, Vancouver. Wait, I'm thinking. It's like yeah, on, it is, it's it on is. that, yeah. And then it is because Seattle's a little in, yeah, um, inland. Uh, but Toronto is like near the Midwest. It's okay. like near, well, Chicago-ish. No, uh, I think it's actually closer to like Michigan. I think it's okay. across from Michigan. That's not terribly far from yeah. Chicago. Um, yeah. So what's interesting is, and in my thought about. Um, the sound, I feel like that the new sound comes across very slightly in this one, but I feel like it's gonna have to come across more on the album because based yeah. on the couple few listens I took to this song, I'm not sure it sounds much like a departure. This song it still has sort of the propulsive guitar and drum sort of formula, still has the sort of very emotionally charged, um, you know, all out there sort of right. like an open wound lyricism and right. stuff like that. Um, to me, it was very much Japan Droids, and I didn't feel like there was anything that they were bringing to the table on this specific song that was crazy new, which is fine. I'm not saying that in a way that's right. a criticism, um, but it'll be interesting to see on the record what they do to, to mix it up more. Yeah, I, no, I agree. It did. It sounded like you know meat and potatoes, Japan Droids. Maybe a little, a little, more? little cleaner. I yeah, think, that's in what the I was production. Thinking, yeah. However, I was reading a piece. I think it was on Stereo Gum, and all of these people who interviewed them, a lot of critics have gotten copies of the album already and have heard it and they were mentioning specific songs and they're like on this song you're doing things that are drastically different there's like synths on it mm. um and i think one of those songs was called is arc of bar is supposed to be one that's, i saw that name that's drastically different than anything they've done before so and they actually they specifically mentioned they're like near to the wild heart of life and i think they said no known drink or drug are two songs Such. that that are like gonna be classic Japan droids. There's some other ones on there that are just like slowed down, like more acoustic, soft, or or have synths and are a little bit different. I'm interested to hear how Japan droids handles those sounds. Me too. I don't because I like. I mean, and again, I haven't listened to them as much. I've never listened to no singles, which I saw you listening to yeah. on Spotify. Um, as far as I know, I can't think of a single Japan droid song that is like that. More no, reserved. no, and I I think when we talk about how they're using synths and stuff, I don't think it's gonna all of a sudden turn into like electro pop I think it's gonna be no. still the same sound with that kind of woven into it I'm talking more about you just mentioned like acoustic oh yeah 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 I have no idea how that will sound right right I mean maybe it'll be like just one song I could see it as like a last track or something they said they're like usually this would be a last track for us but we decided to switch it up and they stuck it in like the middle of the album they answered all the questions I had they, honestly like. yeah everything yeah. I'm bringing up they're like they're, these answers from these yeah. features they were in yep. um, I saw the track list and I'm excited because it looks like it's like what eight nine tracks eight tracks again so this is something else they brought up this is something we've talked about how 
we love that they've kept that aesthetic, that mm-hmm. album aesthetic. There's like, a symmetry to their discography. And they're like, is that something you guys want to keep doing or thought of? They're like, absolutely yes. I That's that. something where with bands that we listened to like growing up, we loved that they kept a similar look and feel and we wanted to do the same thing for us. So I don't think I've seen the album cover for it yet, but I, I think, think it's, they've released it. I think it's gonna be the same thing. Just a portrait of them with the the white outline and then the the lettering on it. And then they also were talking about how once again, you've done eight tracks on here. Was that the plan? And they're like, no, not necessarily. It wasn't really the plan on the other albums either. It just ended up being, you know, we had we had ten songs for the first album. We ended up cutting it down to eight. We were actually worried it would be too short, but then we realized that, you know, Born to Run was eight songs. There's all these great albums that are only eight songs, and we just figured, you know, that works for us, so... Yeah, eight songs, especially by today's standards, is a lean album in it terms is. of like the number of songs. I feel like it'll still come out to probably like thirty five. Yeah, thirty five forty probably. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited and I'm glad to hear that they're doing that album cover aesthetic yeah, the same sure. way because I got a little worried um, when I saw the singles cover was just a picture of them, no border. Right. I think that was probably just for the single. And I- also, it, it, listeners should understand the type of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> and and should probably realize that I'm crazy because I right. said I got worried when I said when I saw that there was no border for right. a band that I don't even like as much as you still like. Right. Not even close to one of my very favorite yep. bands, and I got like worried that there wouldn't yep. be symmetry yep. between this and their other albums. It wouldn't be quite parallel. It, one last note on them before we move on. It's cool to see the music Twitter people that we follow, the Ian Cohens of the world, the Stephen Hydens of the world getting really excited about this news and then all of the people who are tweeting at Stephen Hyden about it he's they're like I saw one tweet they're like someone put smelling salts under Stephen Hyden's nose because a, a new Japan droid single just got released um, <clears throat> so and then Stephen Hyden just recently had a kid I said and big he, show. He was like, I'm signing off for a while, but cigars and Japan droid singles to all my followers. So. I saw that. And I, I'm happy for Stephen Hyden. Because yeah. I, I feel like I read his book, um, what's it called? Your Favorite Band is Killing Me. been following him on Twitter, listening to the Celebration Rock podcast. And when he announced that he had his kid, I was like, it's like kind of like a good, like a friend. Yeah, exactly. Kid. Even yeah. one who I've like maybe annoyed on Twitter It's like before. this older co-worker who yeah. doesn't really give a shit about you, but no, you think care. they're cool. Like, I tweeted at him the other day, and this would be an interesting thing to discuss on the pod at some point. He brought up months ago, um, and this is quite a tangent, so sorry about Didn't that. Didn't we talk? I think we talked about this. I don't know, but he brought up months ago on Twitter, he was like, what are some albums that are, have examples of side two that's better than side one? And I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but yesterday I was listening to Surf's Up by the Beach Boys and realized that applied. Yeah. Because uh, it does have a better side two than side one. So is, I tweeted it at him, is, no response. Yeah, well, so I don't know what's you know, up. He has like a one week old kid, so well, you know I'm sure what? he's dealing with a lot. I don't know. I have a, I have a podcast to do. I have, I have work. You know, I'd respond to him, so I don't know what's up. Obviously um, joking. But it, what side is Disney Girls on? It's on side one, okay. but, but side two just like is better. Okay. Side one also has student demonstration time, which is this shitty Mike Love, who's the lamest... <laughs> By far, like, the biggest black spot on the Beach Boys record. Yeah. Just this lame, like, product of the man. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. he was the worst. Like, he didn't want to make pet sounds and, like, right. like bullied Brian Wilson. He was like an asshole. What a dick. Yeah, he was just, like, the image of the band in their early days, and he never left. Yeah. And so, like, that's on there. And I, there's a couple, cl- there's Take Care of Your Feet, 
Have you ever heard this? <laughs> no. Have you ever heard the whole album? No, I haven't. Dude, Surf's Up by the Beach Boys is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I need to listen. There's a song on there. Um, I remember reading an interview with Andrew Vanwingarden from uh, MGMT, and he talked about one of the songs that's on there. It's on the second half. It's called The Day in the Life of a Tree. And it's this song that Brian Wilson wrote. It's just from the perspective of a tree with air pollution and like wow. how his life is sad. <laughs> the song is beautiful. Brian Wilson didn't sing it, and no one in the band could sing it because they it was all it was too sad for all of them. Holy shit. I guess it was during a period where they were all doing a shit ton of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and so they like producers sang it. This manager. <laughs> he does a good job. It's a beautiful song, but that album seriously, we should <laughs> you should listen to Surf's Up and we should talk about it for ten minutes on an episode okay. one day. And listeners to get context, you should listen. This is like if you think you know what the Beach Boys are about, listen to this album. It's it's fucking wild. Yeah. It's so weird. Wow. I like that we went seamlessly from Japan Droids into Beach Boys Surf's Up Talk. That was like, I went through a, a wormhole and it just exploded out. Yeah. I, I don't even actually remember what the segue was. I don't... It's Stephen Hyden. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Um, so speaking of me being sick, one of the things that I had to miss out on this week was actually going to a show in Boston... Uh, by um, Sorority Noise, a band we've talked about a few times on this podcast. We've also, had them on. We've had them on the podcast. Big Tr- friends of the pod. Tr- real friends of the pod. Yeah, these ones are actually not fictional friends of the pod. Because <laughs> right. we we'll call like President Obama <laughs> and like God and like dead celebrities friends of the pod. Right. Um, and people who have never listened to the podcast before. Sorority Noise has not only uh, been friends of the pod, they've been on the pod. Yes, Um, that's back, that was like episode 8 or something. Go back and check out that interview, very early days of the podcast. They actually were the ones who showed us, it was Cam and Adam of Sorority Noise, and they showed us that we could apply some compression to our mic uh, to give it a sound that didn't sound like we were in a cave. Right, it was Um, very helpful. Really helpful, still in the early days, so we were still figuring it out. But anyway, so I went to the show... With a group of friends. Fun night. Just from an overall perspective, it was fun because we went to the show. It was in Cambridge at the Middle East downstairs. And it was going on during Game 7 of the World Series. Which was cool because um, we were sort of watching bands play their set. There were like three openers. Rap Boys was there. Free Throw and one other. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. Um, And so it was cool to be watching that game and watching the bands play and do all that. And like sort of being in that scene. Because... That is a scene where no one is flooding the TV. Out of the maybe, I don't know how many people were there, 200, I don't know, 300, out of that entire group, there were maybe 10 people who actually cared to watch the TV. (laughs) Right. And like check out Game 7 of the World Series. One of the greatest baseball games of all time. Yeah. And you're right, that's a scene no one gives a shit about sports and actually... I feel like a lot of people in that scene, if you said you liked sports, would like make fun of you and shit on uh, shit on sports. Well, because when I was leaving, it was probably the uh, I want to say like the eighth inning. Um, it was before the Indians hit that home yeah. run to tie it up. But anyways, it was in the eighth, and the Cubs were up six to three, and uh, the show had ended, and everyone was flooding out. And I waited up to watch some of the game for a little, and like there were probably literally like ten or fewer people that actually like stood there to watch yeah. the game for a minute. Anyways, so the show. Um, so, obviously, with the Sorority Noise show, it's it's a little bit of a different feel for, for me and for the people I was with, because we all knew Cam. I went with some uh, Kevin Kelly, my brother Matt, um, Josh, all big friends of the pod. They all knew Cam in high school at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
it was cool because you know he's playing the songs and there are kids there who are like teenagers or in their early 20s or whatever who just love sorority noise and that's really cool to see yeah because they're in there there are these girls right in front of me kind of moshing and shoving each other and singing the lyrics to like using and mononoke and all those songs really intensely at each other so that was awesome um, and it was cool because, you know, for Cam, it was like a homecoming type of thing. So he was like, you know, I live, grew up in New Hampshire, so it's cool to be here. And I saw a lot of friends and it's like sort of a humbling experience. So that was, it was neat. Saw Cam really quickly after the show. But the, Sorority Noise put on a great show. Um, and my, some of my favorite moments, um, obviously all the songs that they played that were Sorority Noise songs were great. But they did a couple covers that stood out. Um, they covered in its entirety... Um, the Middle by Jimmy Eat World, mm. which was really cool. Um, and they did a good job with that. And then they left the stage, got an encore, came back, and they opened up the encore with the first verse of Fine Great by Modern Baseball, who, if you listen to the Potter, if you know those bands, you know that they're like friends, Cam and, and Bren. Actually, I mean, I think he's friends with everyone in that band. Yeah. But he was roommates with Brendan from the band. Um, and so he opened with Modern Baseball and the, it was funny because some of the crowd had kind of dispersed after the show a little bit I think because kids were mosh pitting moshing mosh pitting <laughs> that shows you how much I like to mosh which right. is zero percent right. um, but the kids who had been moshing they kind of left because they played Your Soft Blood last before they left the stage and it's kind of a slower song I think harder to mosh to and so kids were coming out just drenched in sweat and so they left and then when the encore came on a bunch of people came flooding back because they heard the Mobo song. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about that scene. We've talked about this before. Everyone loves every band yeah. in that scene. Like, yep. Especially the, yep. like the kid kids. Yep. It feels weird to be calling them kids, but a lot of them are. They are. They're they 16, are. 17 year olds. Yeah. It was an all ages show. So, yeah, so that was cool. Um, one other thing that happened that I thought was funny is we've talked before about at the Sinclair, at Hotelier and Joyce Manor and whatever other shows we've seen, when kids are crowd surfing and they have the big bouncers yeah. over the in the front right in front of the stage like in the pit leaning over and grabbing them with their arms holding them like a baby for a second then yep. dumping them off yep. um, and this was funny because at this show at the Middle East they had some lazier bouncers <laughs> or at least the setup was worse for them to do their job right, right because kids were doing this some kids were crowd surfing one girl ended up on the stage yeah yeah um, it wasn't as bad as some shows I've seen but it was like you know they definitely weren't not crowd surfing. Right. But these bouncers, instead of reaching over to grab them or going into the crowd, they just, they had the most futile attempts. They just had a flashlight. Each of them had a flashlight. And when they'd see someone crowd surfing, they would just lean into the crowd a little bit and sort of shake the flashlight in their face and hope they'd notice and stop. And it, like, to no surprise, didn't really work. <laughs> right. So, um, so that was interesting. Uh, wow. uh, and, quick segue for you. Um, Cam did what he did when we saw them in February, where he, blues, voice cracking, mm. little puberty, mm. big friend of the pod, um, <laughs> puberty, but he did his, sort of the spiel he's done before when we saw them about mental illness and the fact that um, he writes songs about it and he has days where he sort of can't get out of bed mm. and he said, which I thought was really cool, he said like, Pete, you tell people that and they don't believe you, they tell you like that you're full of shit, but... He's like, you gotta just tell them. And I think his words were, fuck yourself. <laughs> so, um, so that was cool. And that's a segue because we were going to talk about a new study, Sean, that you yeah, brought Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can wrap up today's show, and that is a perfect segue. Talking about a new study that came out that shows musicians and people involved in the music industry are much more likely to be depressed and anxious. 
So there was a study that was done. Uh, it was a report titled, Can Music Make You Sick? It was a survey based on over 2,000 people by the University of Westminster and its music business think tank, Music Tank. This sounds very uh, so, prestigious. Yeah, yeah. So it was. I think this was done in the UK. It was. It was a study of over two thousand uh, UK musicians. So what this report came back with is it said that seventy one percent reported they have experienced anxiety and panic attacks. Another sixty five percent reported they had suffered from depression. Um, and the comparison here is that nineteen percent of the general UK population suffers from anxiety and depression. So you can see the kind of a huge jump it takes from 19%, which is just the general population, up to 65 to 70% for the music industry population. This is kind of a disturbing trend, disturbing report here. Now, I, this article, the conclusion seemed to be that it was, this was the music industry itself that was making people anxious and depressed because mm. it was it, it, kind of poor conditions in that you hard to make it hard to make it um it's so tied to like your music being the thing that makes you successful and kind of who you are as a person um you know the the thin margins for pay and how touring is really really hard on people that was the conclusion that they came from i was wondering about this i'm sure that is definitely the case and it's not an easy life to live but are people who are more artistically inclined and more inclined to be in the music industry, are they just already dealing with these things to begin with? That's what I was going to say. My, uh, when you told me about this, my immediate reaction was that I think it's more along the lines of more people with mental illness issues get into the arts. Yeah. And, like, there's a higher percentage of people in the arts with depression. Um, I think because a lot of times people with mental illness sometimes will have like an interesting or strange perspective on things that they offer yeah. through their art. I think this has been true of like visual artists through the years. Van Gogh is an, a classic yeah. example, but I feel like um, that's kind of almost a cliche. I think like mm. this almost just validates something that we all sort of know intuitively, which yeah. is that it's sort of that cliche of the tortured artist. Yeah, that's that was my initial thought. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense because yeah. so many people have talked about their struggles with it. You look back at just music history, Nick Drake, you know, mm -hmm. just famously this tortured artist. And, you know, you could go on and on about, about the different examples. But I think and it's something I didn't even really think about, which I think makes a lot of sense, is the fact that it's not an easy profession or career choice. No, it's not. And the thing is, is like, it's almost like no matter what phase you're in it, it, it's, it doesn't get any easier because right. you might get into the arts because you're depressed part of the reason or, or have some sort of mental illness or whatever and part of the reason you might have done that is maybe you never felt you fit in maybe you never felt interested in pursuing a normal career because you always felt slightly like an outsider you felt a little different than everyone else so you wanted to pursue your own form of artistic expression but once you get there like you said the razor thin margins for success um, not a lot of people make it mm. or, or make it in a way where they have a comfortable life right and so that can't help things right. because you probably don't have health care. No, yeah. Especially if you're like a young touring musician in a band, you you might not be insured. You 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 might not know enough to go get help. Right. That's actually what's so cool about those emo scenes, or the emo scene rather. It's not plural really, but um, a lot of the bands, like Modern Baseball, Sorority Noise, they seem really aware of these issues. Yeah. And it seems like they're using their platform 
in a way to to promote um, preventative measures rather than glorifying it. And that I think is one of the things that has been applauded about that scene in a lot of um, writing about it over the past year is that it, they're kind of talking about how like this isn't the emo music that you think it would be from the mid 2000s like it's not like these sad boys feeling sorry for themselves about like girls it's about like real transformative stuff and how like you you need to like take responsibility for yourself and how you feel and and try and get better um which which i think is really important i think it's great that cam brings that up at all of his shows that like it's important to talk about that stuff yeah that's an interesting study i mean i don't it's hard to Hard to say whether, I mean, I think with anything like this, right, any study that comes out, the sort of causation and correlation discussions, yeah. it's almost impossible to say. You have to assume some percentage of both. But I feel like there's just always been, and again, this is not based in any fact, but it just seems like there's always been a, like a correlation with people who struggle with that kind of stuff and go into the arts. So yeah. that's really interesting. It that's, is, that's yeah, and they said the next phase, they're going to dive deeper into some of those issues and explore what possible solutions are so I, I think it, they're doing good work they're you know bringing this stuff to light so good stuff yeah it's tough mental illness is a it's a rough one yeah it, it, is. it can really it ravage is. people so it can it's not it's no joke we joke a lot on the show <laughs> but you know it's a serious topic yeah uh, but yeah that probably does it for this week kind of a more abbreviated episode due to the circumstances dealing with really. some sickness it's just dealing with circumstances Ho- you know? hopefully we'll be back next week at full strength if anything you should thank us for fighting through yeah, strep. That's... We sort of both had strep. <laughs> when you think about it, thoughts and prayers to Jake. Yeah, <laughs> for having strep. Yep. I start tweeting about this. It's all me. <laughs> like, well, you know, we we fought through strep throat. Yeah, so but yeah, um, yeah, we'll see you next week, and we're gonna start thinking about end of the year list stuff. Yeah, we're really getting there. Yep, yep. Thanks see everybody. You. See you next week. No, I don't either because I'm still kind of sick and yeah. So this is like a Jordan flu game for you. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of those this week. I had a Jordan flu game, cornhole game. You beat us bad. I had a Jordan. You you particularly beat I us was, bad. Yeah. You particularly Mitch didn't play that well. Uh, well, no. The only game we got was against Mitch. You um, were playing really yeah, well. Yeah. Fucking buried you guys. Jordan flu game. Just um, you take a compliment. It's all <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I know. Uh. Jordan flu game while I was working for like 12 hours while sick putting together a presentation. Jordan flu game the next day when I gave that presentation. Jordan flu game to get myself to the doctor and uh, have the swab put down my throat to test for strep throat, which I, which I have. Four Jordan flu games this week. Um, so really four times as impressive as Jordan's flu game. More, more impressive. What you've done. Great, greater. We're all greatness. Gritnesses. Just, just a lot of grit <coughs> yeah. this week, and it's been impressive. Um, and yeah, looking forward to doing the show. And uh, are you gonna like just sleep the night away or what? Uh, Your voice sounds okay. Voice sounds a lot better. 
You definitely still sound sick, but it does not sound as bad as it did the other night. Yeah, I, I'm just tired. I just generally feel tired and sick and mm-hmm. run down. Like, I had a massive headache at work today. That's no fun. Just, just don't feel good. Not a lot of energy. Don't really want to do anything. So yeah, I might go see a movie with with my girlfriend Brittany later, but... Big shout. Big friend, friend of the, of the pod. pod. But before that, just eat something and... Maybe catch up on Survivor. Can you imagine if you're a listener to this? Like, what do you... I've already shut it off, probably. (laughs) I'm like, I don't care about you or your life. Yeah, I'm... Well, real quick, how about poor Bill Simmons? Yeah, R.I.P. I I watched the press... press Emergency press conference about... He's at the Breeders' Cup. It was actually funny. It was, like, not that funny. It was funny because it's so over the top. It was kind of funny. I just... Billy, Billy, Billy... (laughs) He's such a prick. <laughs> He's pulling like lots of cash out from his pocket. <laughs> it was funny. It was kind of funny. Yeah, I feel bad for Bill Simmons. Big shout to him. Yeah, big friend of the pod. He'll be okay. I mean, like he's still getting paid hand over fist, so I'm not like too sad for him. Well, I I mean I feel like he cared about the show. Yeah, and it didn't work out. Right. No, it's... he's still a millionaire and still has. A wildly successful podcast. And yeah, I don't feel website. bad for. I'm not like, oh, he doesn't have a place. He doesn't have a roof over his head. It's not that <laughs> right, kind of like, feel. But I feel yeah. bad in the same empathic, uh, empathetic way that I would feel bad for anyone who failed at something. Right. That's all I mean. Right. Right. So right. big shout out to Bill Simmons, big friend of the pod, uh, probably the original friend of the pod in many ways. Yeah, that's true. Kind of actually inspired us to do this. In some yeah. Ways. Yeah. You could say that. You could so say that. Maybe yeah. we'll get an HBO show that'll last 17 weeks. Yeah, maybe. Or 20 weeks. We can just talk about the Beatles. We could. If if there was a little, like, production flair and some clips we could bring in, and, like, we were in a studio that had, like, the records displayed, I'd watch that. I'd watch the shit out of that show. I I would, too, but I think we might be the only ones. uh, There's a lot of Beatles fans out there. I don't even know if close friends would watch that. Because close friends... Because they don't want to hear it when we're just, like, hanging out. No, and some close friends don't even listen to the podcast. That's true. They don't give a shit. About our podcast or us. That's that's <laughs> it's 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 funny that you're saying that right now when um <laughs> because <laughs> when like I know, yeah I know, I know. <laughs> this is compelling radio. Yeah, this is great. I'm glad we were capturing <laughs> all this. Me too. There's the, I'm looking at the at on um, GarageBand. The, the last like few bars are just like spikes Spiking from laughing. of laughter. Yeah, no, but gonna, no, if we had a show about great. the Beatles, I feel like it would get canceled week one. Yeah, <laughs> it would yeah. flop. It'd, <laughs> it'd be terrible. Probably. I mean, we don't we, have we don't have the name draw. No, of Bill Simmons. No. I think that's enough of that. Yeah, okay. Let's, let's dive in. Let's dive in. <laughs> Let me get another sip of this water. Oh, get the on out. Yep. Alright. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. 